0: This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. We're glad to have you all back with us again. What is the word on the street? It's a term that we're all familiar with. Today, we're going to talk to someone who's doing a lot of work to keep the word on the street in our face. So we'll be back in just a moment with our guest. Again, this is The Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And as always, I'm glad to be back here with you all in the audience again. Glad to have you all join us. And I'm always glad to be here and in the studio, riding along with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? Thrilled to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. What is the word on the street, brother? You've heard this term. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What do you think about
1: when you hear the term word on the street? The first thing that comes to mind for me is the idea of the street. I'm using air quotes here for those (laughs) who can't see the street Um, as a space really where, um, where conversations, discourses can be staged that uh, otherwise would not be had um, among those in power. Right. So uh, for me, this idea of the word on the street becomes a very important um, space um, for critical dialogue, for creativity, uh, for social engagement, cultural right. engagement.
0: Right, As you and I were talking about, sometimes the word on the street is very different from what we hear <laughs> in corridors of power. Mm-hmm. And it suggests to me the need to be in touch with people where they are, to develop that cultural understanding, which is so important. And so we're so glad to be having this conversation today to talk about this and to talk about this term. And the person that we've kind of brought in to join us on this conversation for this show is Ms. Tamiko Ambrose Murray. And Tamiko, you know, who will be with us in just a few minutes, she was born in Chicago. You know, I talked to her about this. She was born in Chicago, but then moved to Los Angeles, spent 19 years in Los Angeles. California, but has been here in Asheville, North Carolina for 21 years, and she considers this home, as you'll probably hear when we get to the conversation with her. But she is the co-founder, just to give some background information on her, she's the co-founder of the Asheville Writers in School and Community, um, which is a project that she's been working on here for quite a while, which she'll talk to us about. And this organization that she helped to co-found is one of the first recipients of the Isaac Coleman Community Innovation and embedded Investment grants, which was
1: just um, just created, I think, just this past year. Yeah, very important grant, um, and. Uh Uh, This fund was named in honor of the late Isaac Coleman, who was a community leader, um, advocate, civil rights activist, very important figure. Someone that
0: you and I knew very well. Yeah, the late Isaac Coleman. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Also, uh, this was created by the Buncombe County Commission in February of this year. So a very, very important uh, fund uh, within our community. We're going to take a quick break, and Darren and I will be back to discuss uh, with Mrs. Murray her work in the community. That's right.
0: Again, this is the Waters and Harvest Show glad you all are staying with us. Glad to be back. And again, I'm Darren Waters. And again, we're talking about the Word on the Street, which is kind of our topic of discussion for this show. And we're going to be talking in just a few minutes with Miss T- Ms. Ms. Tamiko Ambrose Murray. And we're lucky because we, we actually have another guest in here with us, uh, Mr. Donovan Spencer, who you'll hear from in just a minute, who is someone that uh, Miss uh, Murray is working with in this project. And it's going to be interesting to hear his perspective about this. But brother, you and I were talking about Miss um, Murray's background, yeah, and you yeah. brought up an interesting bit of information about her background. I want to
1: let you take this, and you can ask her about. Yeah, this. I, well, I well, what I want to do is just, is give Mrs. Murray, Timika, to, to give you a chance to just share um, what you would prefer to share about your background. But I think that something needs to be marked here. Um. <laughs> Uh, so those of who so those who have heard uh, the show probably are aware that um, my research uh, a portion of it focuses on a very important uh, figure in American uh, cultural history, Zora Neale Hurston, and I have it on good authority uh, that uh, that Mrs. Tamiko Ambrose, our guest today, is a distant cousin yeah. of Zora Neale Hurston. I, I, I feel as if I feel as if, as if, as if I'm in the presence of. A celebrity, right? Uh, um, (laughs) So, you know, could you speak some more about your background, Rose? I mean, your distant cousin Zornel Hurston. You both are writers, right? And let me just Uh, say this this before,
0: and let me say this before Tamika steps in into this to talk a little bit about this. Our our audience is going to be very familiar with the name Zornel Hurston because we talk about her quite a bit. So that gives Tamika a little bit of of context as to why we think this is just so important Mm -hmm. for us to ask you about this. So, Tamika, first. Welcome to the show. we're welcome, so glad welcome. to have you here and so is Marcus run? <laughs> Um
2: he's correct uh, i um, you know my family is um, from Winter Park, Florida, which um, they actually called Black Winter Park and Eatonville. and um, you know winter park has uh, been heavily gentrified since the time that my family was there. But um, my great grandmother who passed away long ago, Teresa Clayton, um, she uh, once spoke at Rollins College um, as one of her oldest living um, relatives or something at the time. And I, of course, uh, you know, I think I was little or maybe I wasn't even born. Um, But uh, my uncle was telling me uh, many years later that um, and this is how I found out was uh, we're having a conversation. I was talking about my writing and he says, yeah, we have another writer in the family. And I ask him, what do you mean another writer in the family? (laughs) And so for me, it's like uh, Zora has always been on my bookshelves. I've Mm -hmm. always been an admirer of her work. And then um, to not find out until my adult life that, uh, you know, while I'm reading, uh, their eyes are watching God and knowing this taking place in the places where my family is from <laughs> mm-hmm. and not knowing that connection. So, um, yeah, it was really, really beautiful yeah,
0: to find a, that what out. What, I mean. what a heritage. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> of <laughs> it is. And, and Tamika, before we get into the meat of the conversation, one of the things I want to ask you about, and, and as someone who is native to this region, to Asheville, I'm always curious what brought you to Asheville you've been here for 21 years what brought you to Asheville and a little bit of perspective about how you see uh, this this city in Southern Appalachia
2: well I ended up in Asheville um, very much by accident Um, I was living in Northern California um, at the time and my son was one year old and We just felt like we wanted something different and really just took a risk um, and moved here. And uh, and I had since found out that um, I have many relatives that I haven't met in North Carolina. And so I actually consider myself a granddaughter of the Great Migration Mm -hmm. um, that I have somehow just returned home um, to the South. Um, and I feel very, very much Southern. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: haven't been back to California since I left. None no. of all my family is in the South now. Wow. Um,
0: so. And I'll say, to Miko, that that is a native uh, of North Carolina. Um, a native North Carolinian. I like to think that everybody's come from North Carolina. So, you know, I always hear people have these connections, you know, these connections here. You know, they come back. Marcus discovered that he had family connections here as well, even though he was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. That's true. He has connections to North Carolina. So in some ways, everybody is connected to North Carolina. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about this project that you've been working on, the Asheville Writers in Schools and Community. Can you just tell us a little bit about this organization, how it got started? What inspired you to start this project?
2: Yes. Um, so uh, Janet Hurley and I co-founded Asheville Writers in the Schools and Community. Um, it's been about five years ago. Uh, and we basically Wanted to be able to bring creative writing opportunities to um, students in Asheville City Schools. That's how we started, and we um, Janet at the time was running a camp, and what we were recognizing was that there um, there were not very many students of color who were participating. And so we thought that if we could provide programming in public school settings, then all young people could have access. And so that's really um, where we started um, as Asheville Writers in the Schools and Community, mm-hmm. but since have definitely evolved um, mm-hmm. into having our own program.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So, now, now Tamiko, the Asheville Writers in the School and Community project uh, gave rise to Um, another uh, entity um, known as the Word on the Street Online Magazine. Um, Could you say a bit more about how the magazine got started and what kind of work the magazine tries to do within the community or does within the community?
2: I would love to. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Word on the Street, uh, voz de los Jóvenes in Mm -hmm. Spanish, which Mm -hmm. means the voices of the youth, Mm -hmm. um, is an online arts and culture magazine that is for young people and by young people. But what we have recognized is actually, we have a a pretty large adult readership too, (laughs) which I think is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But Word on the Street evolved out of, um, basically, a community research process where we um, had young people at the table from the very beginning, and they helped us to actually design the infrastructure of the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not the adults creating this uh, program for them, they were very much a part of creating it. So that I think is why um, it's been so successful. Um, Because they've been part of the process from the beginning.
0: So a lot of imagination has kind of gone into this. And and as I listen to you talk, uh, Tamika, I'm thinking about one of my favorite quotes is from Albert Einstein, where he said that knowledge, that that, um, imagination is more important than knowledge and being able to be imaginative and i've also i've often wondered about our education process mm-hmm. today does it really feed the imagination and it sounds to me like the project that you're working on is something mm-hmm. that is helping to infuse the magi- or to uh, stimulate the imagination in a way that i think is very yeah. very important
1: and i'm curious to you me, you mentioned that um that that they're also that the that the that this online magazine has a significant adult readership. What do you think might account for that? I mean, th- to me, this is this is this is this is remarkable. Uh, I think. Do you have any 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 thoughts about that? Why that could be?
2: Um, I do. I mm. think that um, we're living in a very urgent time, mm-hmm. and I think that to see young people um, using their voices, young people speaking their truth. Using their imaginations and being creative is inspiring to people of any age, and so um, yeah, no I, right. I've heard. Um, yeah. Excuse me, adults say that they can't wait till the next submissions come up. They no keep right. checking no, 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 no,
0: no. every day. <laughs> you know, and it, no. and I want to come back to that in just a second. But Tamika, you're, you're talking about creative writing and you know trying to get people involved in the creative writing process. Is it just me? But I feel like people. It seems to me that we've kind of lost this real mm-hmm. art of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I. You know, we're all teachers. You know, professors at the university, and and it's been a challenge sometimes to get people to just write oh, to <laughs> um, a sharp paper. I mean, yeah. is do you find that that's the problem mm-hmm. um, that we need to address as a society to get mm-hmm. people to be able to express themselves in the written word a lot more mm-hmm. than we do?
2: Absolutely. I think that um, uh, when I was teaching at the university, uh, one of the things that I would hear from many young people was that they um, were not good at writing, that um, they learned somewhere along the way that... they have some kind of deficiency, and it kind of blocks their process of even being being able to write. And so, I think that um, for me, my approach has always been um, very process oriented, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that you know revision is part of the process. But I just think that. Um, there are a lot of people who think that writing is punctuation
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and capitalization when really it's the, you know, the integrity of the ideas mm-hmm. that um, the critical thinking is what makes a strong writer. And also, um, you know, the imagination and creativity, mm-hmm. which is what we uh Try to feed it word on the street.
0: Well, I'm thinking as I listen to Miko that clearly I needed her as a teacher early on. In my <laughs> so life, did I, right? <laughs> because I have found it to be a challenge too. And, and to Miko, you know, as we kind of talk about the writing process here for just a few minutes, because um, I'm curious to find out how this this program mm-hmm. is impacting the the students who are participating in it. But um, I had a conversation with a, a brilliant writer who is one of my mentors, uh, an Irish scholar, Conor of Crusher- Brian was his name and I used to watch him write. Now, he's passed away now, but I used to watch him write. I had the opportunity to travel with him one time and he would get up every morning and write a column and it seemed to be so effortless that he would write this column and I was reading one of his books one time, and I told him the book is so brilliantly and well-written, and he said to me, well, Darren, you you make it sound like it came out that way mm. it, the very first time I, I, I wrote it. And I think that that's something you brought that up, that we we miss, that writing is a process. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, when I can remind myself of that, I begin to enjoy um, the process of writing a lot more. It's, it's interesting to watch it kind of yeah. go through these stages and, and be kind of molded
1: into something that. That you can be very uh, practical. Yeah, and building end. on that, something that really helped change my relationship to writing, um, you know, when I became a scholar was really this was really hearing this idea and understanding it practically. Uh, that writing is really a public exercise; it's a public corporate endeavor, even mm-hmm. though you know it, it may begin sort of individually or subjectively. Others are invited to um, to help improve your writing. So that for me sort of took some of the some of the pressure mm-hmm. off feeling I have to produce this perfect manuscript. So right. yeah. so um, so clearly this conversation is
0: is helping me. <laughs> and, and and we, me too. And we work on on, on additional <laughs> writing projects. But but again, looking at the word on the yeah. street, the magazine, you know, and who is participating in the magazine? You have students. You know, you're in the mm-hmm. schools. So I we have Donovan uh, Spencer here, who is one of the students who is participating in this. Welcome to the show, Donovan. Welcome, We're glad Donovan. to have you here. Um, I'm glad to be here. So you can give us kind of firsthand uh, knowledge our, uh, about what this experience has been like. So how did you come to get involved in this project, if you don't mind?
3: Well, um, I was working on a documentary with Mr. Dwayne, mm-hmm. and we took it to the county commissioners because we wanted funding, and we really, we really wanted change. And so we took it to the county commissioners. We talked about what we did, what we did throughout the community and how we've evolved from all these years prior to mm-hmm. right now. And so um I feel like they was really they were really touched. And so that's why we got the funding. The funding was for $500,000 annually right. <laughs> and that that just it was really important to us, and I, I feel like it was important to me. And because of that, I wanted to uh, join Word on the Street. Right, right. And so um, I, I think at least about a week or two later, I, I joined Word on the Street. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, because I hear you, you brought up
0: Dwayne Barton. You're mm-hmm. talking about Dwayne Barton, who is a community activist in Burton Street Community, which is one, in one of the communities here in the Asheville area, in the West Asheville area. Is that your, um, your home community? here in Asheville?
3: No, I'm not from Asheville. I'm from okay. Charleston, South Carolina.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So another another transplant. There's so many transplants here <laughs> in a city. But you're in the Burton Street community now.
3: Right. I work in the Burton Street Eastern. community. Okay. But I don't I stay by uh Mission Hospital. Okay. And I work in the uh the recreation center Southside
0: okay well I know that the Burton Street community has a very deep and, and very rich history here um, with the founder of that community was mr. EW Pearson who mm. we have know a lot of information about him and Dwayne has been doing very important work out there I have some connections with the Burton Street community as well because my that's the community that my grandparents were from my mother uh, was uh, raised in that community so I I'd like to just tell you as someone who has a connection to that community that I appreciate the work that you all have been doing to kind of generate interest in that community. now can you tell us a little bit about this documentary film project you work on? what was what
3: was it all about? So basically we wanted to um get people to acknowledge the gap, the gap in poverty and also like the gap, between whites blacks and latinos not just whites and blacks Mm -hmm. we wanted people to acknowledge the gap and be able to actually change things and so we wanted the youth to speak up Mm -hmm. basically so what were some of the things that you included in the documentary Um, if you can tell us well we we interviewed people like um we during the martin luther King march we uh we went out there and we interviewed people asked them a few questions about black history like what do they do Mm -hmm. and how does it affect them and How would they vision the black community? Mm -hmm. And so that was I I feel like that's that was really important. And that was a key that played a key role to the documentary Mm -hmm. because we need to uh, know what other people thought. Mm
1: -hmm. This is such impressive work, Donovan. Uh, Sort of bringing Tamiko back into the conversation. um, You're doing this important work in the community. um, So many different uh, sort of facets to it. What do you think the future holds? for this work. I mean, it, I, I can imagine it going in a number of different directions, all of which I think are very constructive and beneficial. How do you envision the future of this work, Tomiko?
2: Well, um, I'll be honest and say that the um, the splash, the word on the street levels to those jóvenes has mm-hmm. made on the community um, has actually surprised me. I didn't know how awesome it was actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as the graduating seniors during our um, closing ceremony for the year, um, they said that they would like to see Word on the Street um, as an international, to have an international audience. And at this point, you know, we were really just thinking about the impact we would have on our own community. And what we've seen is that we have young people submitting their um, uh, poetry, stories, visual arts um, from all over the country, um, including the yeah, oh. wow. including um, a, a reservation um, somewhere in the Midwest, New Orleans, California, um, and so I um, I would like to see more young people in this community mm-hmm. contributing their work and being nurtured as young artists, mm. um, and I would like to see yeah a global audience i um
0: participating in this so, well i yes. hope i hope that this conversation is helping to participate to so what you know um to, well at least facilitate what it is that you're envisioning for the future now to be as a writer and I want to ask you this question. I was again, you know, born and raised here in Asheville, North Carolina. One of the the famous our famous native son, you know, a writer was Thomas Wolfe. So I'm sure that you hear so much about Thomas Wolfe. I've always in my mind imagined who who is the minority equivalent. Of uh, Thomas Wolfe, that may it may be something that develops in the in the in the future as a writer, someone who is contributing to uh, the um, to giving voice to the unique experience of minorities in this particular region of the state of North Carolina, in this region of the country. Do you see the possibility that anyone who's participating in your program, especially here locally, might emerge as one of those figures at some point down the road in the future? Is that a fair question to ask you?
2: Sure, okay. I love using my
1: imagination.
2: <laughs> um, so I believe that um, that young people, um, especially young people of color, who um, sometimes don't have access to that mentorship, that um, that you know you need to be able to evolve and develop as a writer or as an artist, and so I believe that. Um, Any one of the young people could potentially grow into um, Mm -hmm. uh, an established and well-known artist or writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, really, we have a lot of excellence coming out of Mm -hmm. Asheville. Um, And that we have a thriving arts community. And that we just need to make sure that... Artists of color, young people of color have access to those opportunities right. as well.
0: Well, I just snatched up the, the the chance to ask you another question from Marcus. And Marcus is going <laughs> to jump back in here in just a minute. But I have to ask you about this. As you're talking about artists um, from the region, your own daughter is an artist, right? She um, is. Mm-hmm. And she, if I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but she's at Yale University, right? And correct. studying is she studying art there? L- let me ask you about her work Mm -hmm. is, do you see, and you'll have to tell our audience her name, um, but is she expressing the uniqueness of the experience of this region in her work? Um, How is that kind of coming through in the work that she's doing?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Um, So my daughter's name is Liana Ambrose Murray, Mm -hmm. and she is a student at Yale uh, studying African-American studies uh, is her major with a mm. concentration in art and right now she's in Trinidad painting a mural mm. um, hmm. and uh, she has done some really really beautiful and powerful work and I think that um, that she was born and raised here really shows up in her work mm. and um, the way that she uh, interacts with the world like she is very much uh, an Ashevillian, a Southerner. <laughs> right, right, And I think um, the more she travels around the world and around the country, the more she's coming to know herself as mm-hmm. uh, a North a Carolinian.
1: Carolinian. Wow. Yeah, so many North Carolinians. <laughs> Appal- writers, <right>? Appalachian. <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian. Um, so, so Tamiko, you mentioned a moment ago that, that, that Asheville and perhaps even the broader region is really emerging as a thriving artistic community. Um, and... I think one of the um, examples of that is uh, the afro Artist Project. Um, start, this is directed by uh, Marie, Marie Cochran. Cochran. Thoughts about this project, Tamiko? Um, are there any ways in which the work that you're doing is is interfacing with the the, the afro Artist Projects, or any, or any prospects for the future in terms of this this organization?
2: Well, I'm um, a huge admirer and fan of Marie Cochran and her work, and I think that. Um, just this uh, this this idea, this concept of the afro artist um, is just so powerful because so often um, our culture is not illuminated um, mm-hmm. in the ways that it uh, in all its beauty um, mm-hmm. for the world to see. And I think that that's something that um, Marie has devoted her life and work to. Um, and so I do see that word on the street is a piece of that because mm-hmm. we are um, nice. from Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, um, with my daughter's art, uh, our, the uniqueness of our culture, our cultural identity shows up in whatever we do mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, artistically, with, uh, through writing, through visual art, photography, um, documentary projects.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you so I think that that's a good way to begin to end this conversation mm-hmm. and, and Tamiko I want to tell you that uh, I admire what you're doing um, the work that you're doing through this organization and, and, and I for one look for uh, some good work to come out of this the work that Donovan is doing and we thank you for being here with us to Thanks have so this conversation about this important project that you're working on so Marcus and I will be back in a moment with just a few closing thoughts Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. Thank you all for listening to this conversation with Tomiko Ambrose. Murray, and with Donovan Spencer, talking about the Word on Street project and getting involved with the schools and bringing writing
1: to students where they are and getting them introduced to that. Marcus, this was a great conversation. Great. Yeah, and and for me, really, what stands out is that the work that Tamiko and others are doing uh, is really, I, I sort of conceive of it as really establishing serious institutions that are, that are targeted towards... Um, Sort of uh, engendering the development of of the imagination of of our community mm-hmm. youth, and that's just I think that that often is is, is work that is overlooked and undervalued. All right, yeah. and so uh, it, it was great to have this conversation with uh, with Donovan as well to hear firsthand Absolutely.
0: how it has impacted him, and I appreciated the enthusiasm with which he expressed that, mm-hmm. and to get that out of uh, out of students at a young age is great. So we thank you all for joining us for this conversation, talking about word understanding. Street. We hope you'll look them up on the web. And Marcus and I want to remind you all that the Waters and Harvest
1: Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. And again, remember, you
0: can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So get in touch. Again, thank you for joining us, Marcus, and I will see you next time.